and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my good friend, Dr. Gillian Riggett. Gillian has doctorate degrees in dentistry and medicine and has a specialty in oral medicine. She's an Air Force veteran, a postdoc research fellow in radiation oncology and a certified life and professional leadership coach. Through coaching, and her YouTube channel, um, and the show is called A Life True to You. Gillian's mission is to help people discover or rediscover what it means to create a life true to themselves, free from societal pressures that lead them astray. Outside of work, she loves to spend time with her dog, Reese, and is an avid runner. Gillian started her career by fast-tracking into dental school and dedicating herself to becoming an Air Force oral and maxillofacial surgeon a leader to her at that time meant chasing high achievements doing the hardest job she could possibly do pushing herself to the limits uh, both mentally and physically being confident and taking on formal leadership titles including her roles as an air force officer and surgeon trainee in 2014 to 2017 her perspective started to unravel. Sleep deprivation, self-doubt, undernourishment and exhaustion from constantly pushing herself to the limits led to serious illness, which nearly cost her life. Her experience helped her to see how societal values often lead us astray from what truly matters in life and altered her perspective on what it means to be a leader. Now, being a leader to Gillian includes living with integrity, in alignment with your core values, advocating for what we believe is right and creating psychologically safe environments for others to do the same. A leader lives it to give it. In other words, walks the talk. Gillian believes that learning how to be leaders of our own lives is a great and important first step in learning how to be a leader for others in a way that's authentic and sustainable. Um, And that's very much in alignment with the way I kind of train people on on leadership, starting with self-leadership. And I love this phrase that that she's put, a leader lives it to give it. I'm going to ask her about that, lives it to give it. I've not heard that before, and I'm going to to ask her about that. Um, So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Gillian Riggett. Welcome to the show, Gillian. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Adam. It's a true honor it's it's my the honor is all mine honestly um you know you are such um an accomplished person and um you know your 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 personal experience of life is uh is just you know made you 
even even more wonderful um and and helpful and valuable to to others um for sure so it, it's really fantastic to have you and um, before i start i'm just going to ask about this a leader lives it to give it can you just tell us about that before i start the question yeah well it's perfect for you as a coach because live it to give it means like we're helping people to live a life of integrity so yeah. we need to live by example. So walk the walk, okay. live it to give it. Okay. So if okay. I want to be able to give people the opportunity to live a life true themselves, free themselves from societal pressures, and I'm not doing that, call that usually a hypocrite. But when you okay. really embody your mission and what you represent, then you really okay. help others to do the same. Okay. Okay. So leading by example, modeling good stuff that comes from an authentic place of integrity, because you are you know genuinely doing it rather than just saying this is what you need to do and actually but you don't do it yourself is that is that right yeah and it comes awesome. up a lot right because we yeah, often yeah. want to help other people and it's easy to see that they are the shining star and that they can accomplish yeah. what they want but for yeah. me and this will come up during our discussion today like held back by self doubt and, and lack of yeah. self-worth um i often would believe in others a lot easier than believing in myself so i might be an advocate for them but yet who's yeah. an advocate you know i got you got to advocate for ourselves which will come up you know when it comes yeah. to leadership and how we really need to become leaders of our own life uh and, and that helps us to become leaders for others as well i like that i like that um and of course we're all you know we're all works in in progress for you know for myself i um sometimes i come from a place of i really am um you know doing what I ask other people to do and and sometimes it fluctuates and I'm not quite as good at doing the self-care stuff because of what's going on but I'm still telling them to do it <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's yeah yeah it's interesting yeah. Isn't it? yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. where self-compassion comes right because yeah. we can judge ourselves and then call ourselves the hypocrite but uh it's like self-compassion that we also offer those people that they're doing the best they can yeah for yeah the circumstances at the time brilliant thank you so much for that um didn't didn't want to let that one go <laughs> it's too, too 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 useful um okay well i i i read out your uh your beautifully um drafted and crafted a bio really really love that thank you for for creating that for me um but in in your you know in a bit more of a kind of a personal touch way could you tell the audience a bit more about yourself um including what your current work roles and, and leadership roles that you currently hold or have held in the past and and when i say leadership roles you know um and i know you you're not a huge fan of kind of you know formal titles and so on and that's that's fine because you know it's not all about it's well let's face it often leaders with titles are not actually very good leaders so uh, you said it no <laughs> So, you know, well, this is something I've learned on, you know, kind of 30 uh, plus episodes of doing this show. So, yeah, um, no, exactly. You're, you know, you're whatever exactly. you, whatever leadership means to you, um, yeah. you know, please, please tell us a bit more about yourself. Actually, this point of our discussion is spot on to why I've become a little <laughs> bit averse to titles, because for, mm. I give people a little bit of my backstory before I tell them where I'm at and why. <laughs> but uh, so when I was younger, I, I and I, this fits in a lot with your workplace bullying and how I kind of feel like I was pulled to workplace bullies. Like I was actually drawn towards the bullies because when I was younger, I grew up and um, the the living environment and, and where I lived was very competitive. Okay. A lot of your worth was put on your academic achievements and your financial status. 
And then at home, I didn't always feel physically or psychologically safe. So becoming a leader to me at that time was more for my safety and to stop being oppressed and to be independent so that I could find myself a sense of safety. And I also think lack of self-worth was a driving force because I, I wanted to feel worthy and I wanted to feel like I had something to contribute and that I was of value in the world. Yeah. So when I thought of that becoming a leader really was what was coming to mind and, and right. somebody that, as you mentioned, I was, I kind of defined leader at that time is somebody who was very successful, had high right. academic achievements, was quite perfectionistic, was super confident. Right. And these are all things I've learned over time are not true. So I hope people listening to this, if they, if they tune out before we go further, they know that those are things over time I've shifted my mindset on that, but I just pushed myself to embody this identity that I thought would bring me a sense of confidence and strength. So to draw that picture a little bit more for people, like I really wanted to be a Marine in the military. And I saw this Marine as a physically fit person who mm. no one would mess with. Why would I want to become that? Because I was sensitive and very vulnerable to people's judgments. And I was a people pleaser. So I thought that would protect my sensitive soul. And as I grew older, I realized maybe the Marines weren't the best fit for a female. So I went into the Air Force and I, I loved the Air Force. Um, the Air Force core values are integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. Mm. So though I maybe have wanted to go into the military for a little bit of ulterior motives to help protect my true nature of sensitive self, those core values really align with my own. So being part of that mission gave me that sense of meaning and purpose. Mm. Um, but along the journey, I didn't work on my self-doubt and my self-worth, but I was kind of lost under the radar because I was achieving at a high level academically. Um, but mm -hmm. I really struggled with performance anxiety. And I think for people that might feel the same or have kids that are feeling that same pressure and have performance anxiety, the one thing I really wish I'd stop to appreciate was how important it is to work on like our mindset, yeah. what's going on, and what we think is at stake when we are taking a test, right? Or we're going after an accomplishment um, yeah. because at that time, I just really put everything that was me into that title and into getting great grades, into yeah. being a high achiever at, at the cost of, of losing a lot of things that would have brought me joy and other okay. measures of quality of life. Um, so that's just to kind of give a backstory of how I wanted to become a leader Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and what could have been the driving force for a long period of time. Again, so it's self-worth and to get yourself out of harm's way and also um, to stand up for uh, the oppressors in the world. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, Julian, because... Um... You know, a lot of my guests actually don't um, delve that deeply into um, the, you know, the underlying reasons as to why they, you know, thought that something was a good idea or um, and then maybe maybe it wasn't. And, and actually, you know, it's to kind of, uh, 
you know, pa- pacify some kind of psychological need or something that stems from, you know, some trauma in their in their early life or something. So that that's um I'm really touched that you that you shared that with us. Thank thank you. Um actually can I can I just ask uh, what I'm what I'm interested in in you know uh I mentioned core uh, core values in your uh, from your bio, and uh, you know I'm sure we'll come back to this. But uh, you mentioned the the Air Force values, and um, they uh, are obviously the you know the purported advertised values, if you like. Uh, and I'm just I'm just interested to know whether your experience of being in the Air Force. You said you enjoyed it, so I'm guessing I know what the answer to this is, but. Do you feel that they were the lived values of the organization? Uh, it's hard to generalize that. Yeah. So I've had some circumstances that were quite damaging uh, in the Air Force um, okay. where I didn't feel safe physically or psychologically. Okay. And actually, that was one reason. So I had some doubts that being an, an oral surgeon was going to be the right fit for me when I first joined um, and was starting my rotations uh, in their program. I was like, oh, there's something about this. And could it be okay. my self-confidence? Could it be my self-doubt? But I didn't feel safe in my dental clinic. Um, okay, okay. But it was the majority of the members there embodied the Air Force core values. The bad apples were, to me, the minority mm. But the okay. impact on someone who was new to the Air Force, a vulnerable single female living alone mm. in a new state, Mm. was uh, a driving force for me not to listen to my own self because I had the opportunity to sh- to kind of pivot and, and consider mm. doing this other residency. So I'm pointing up, up if no one can see me, but uh, there was a <laughs> clinic upstairs where I was. So I was in a, mm. a dental clinic in an Air Force base and upstairs there was a residency that seemed like maybe it was a better fit for me. That was a general practice residency and the mentors there were super great. Um, but I didn't feel safe to stay in my clinic based off of a certain individual that was just uh, just inappropriate to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have mm-hmm. the words. And this is something for me that I think is important for people to really learn how to advocate for what they need with their boundaries mm-hmm. and their words. Because when I was not able to do that, I turned inward and that inward turning of our emotions and not able to express ourselves becomes a recipe for depression, anxiety. And for me, it became a recipe to fall into a pretty severe eating disorder because I didn't know how to ask for help. Um, and so, uh, and, but, but because I didn't know how to ask for help advocate for myself, what I did was I went and continued to my oral surgery residency because it wasn't there. It was far away. So I became, um, and this is, you know, in in alignment again with, with what you work on, I thought I was going to a place that was going to be a safe place for me. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having an experience with a female attending that is a prime example of, of what I picture as a workplace bullier. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to highlight what you said is that not all people in leadership roles are leaders. And I didn't mm-hmm. really appreciate that because you look up to the people in those positions, but yeah. some people get into those positions because of their insecurities and yeah. they aren't good leaders. But yet, yeah. if we don't really understand that, 
We are very vulnerable to their feedback, especially when you're a trainee and there's this hierarchy and you depend on them for, you know, your mentorship. So with everything I mentioned with my low self-worth, my self-doubts and looking up to leadership, uh, when I, when I became in a position where these people were threats to my safety and psychological well-being well i thought it was me and then all of that spiraled downward so just to mention that as awareness and as we continue we can share how it evolved and developed myself to be empowered yeah Um, yeah that's thank you thank you again um and uh that's really interesting. I mean, you're you're making me think a lot already. We've only been talking for like ten minutes, and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to get to like the end of the questions. <laughs> but we'll have um, some part two, three, fours, <laughs> as we evolve as humans as well, right? <laughs> just, just uh, you know, you ex- you explained uh, what you felt was your psychological need to get into leadership positions, and now I'm kind of thinking that everyone should should look at their so-called leaders um you know people who are maybe uh, senior to them in in their profession or uh, people you know who have these formal titles and and actually sort of casually analyze why it is they think or if they can work out or find out why these people are in these leadership positions because it sounds like what you said with this uh this attending who is your superior um had insecurities and so she um maybe went into leadership because she thought that would help her deal with her own insecurities but actually her way of dealing with her insecurities to make herself feel more secure was to put other people down yeah, I can and make share, herself feel like superior, uh, you know, I want to share examples because, you know, um, I I think it's important to give a little bit of context because it's easy. I think just oh, such a bully, but I didn't really appreciate like people at the time. So this was 2014 to 17. And at the time. Uh, I was taking all of the blame, right? I didn't hear about burnout. I didn't Mm -hmm. hear that people were struggling. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of this at that time. So any struggle that I was experiencing, I thought it was Mm -hmm. just me because I couldn't cut it. And if I put my whole self-worth, my academic achievements, had sacrificed a lot of my personal life in order to become an Air Force oral surgeon, only to realize I can't cut it, quote unquote, as my Mm -hmm. brain would offer me, Uh, the impact I would have. So I was seeking support from this individual and we worked pretty much one-on-one at, you know, Mm. at one of the clinics. And I was like, I'm really struggling. And rather than validate my struggles and let me know I wasn't alone, you you should Mm. probably quit. And um, I was in, you know, your wife does oral surgery, you know, these procedures and people will have heard, heard of the dental procedures, but I was doing these new procedures in dental school. We didn't learn how to place implants. So I was looking forward to that. And one time, uh, one of my first placements of the implant, I was on the patient's right side, implant placements on the left where she's standing. I can't see the, what we call the alveolar ridge. So where the Mm -hmm. 
implant's going to go. I can't see it. I'm not going to start placing what I can't see. She mm. starts yelling at me, go place it. You have to just go. I'm like, I can't see it, but I'm trying to tell her behind, you know, not to scare the patient. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see, I'm not going to put the patient safety above my ego here. She mm, threw mm. me out of the room after, you know, I was just really there to learn. And it was just constant. It was just degrading me. And like, you don't have to do that. And women do it to each other. This mm -hmm. is not the last time it happened. This happened mm -hmm. a lot in that residency and also when I became an attending. And it's it's become a core mission of mine to make sure that women feel psychologically safe in my presence, to make mm -hmm. sure that I want them to be successful. I am not mm -hmm. intimidated by their success. If they're more mm -hmm. successful than me and whatever that defines success, great, fantastic. Like I'm not going to feel inferior or throw you under the bus because you're more successful mm -hmm. than me. I'm going to champion that. So when we say insecurities, when I was reflecting mm -hmm. back on why would she do that, mm -hmm. the only thing that made sense is because she needed to be empowered. She needed to feel that she was better than me, like whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. that's my psychoanalysis of the situation. But I, I saw her in um, talking to her son and her husband. Her son was young. And I kept offering grace and compassion because she she looked like a great mother. You know, she talked very well about her husband. I'm like, you know, this is like a, it's not to say she is a horrible human. In the mm, context mm. of mentor to mentee, our relationship is not good. Like, mm. I, so I was never going to demonize her as a human. Um, and even if I saw her now, like, I'm not going to avoid her. I'm not going to be mad. It taught me the life lessons I needed to about my vulnerabilities. But if people understand, like, just look at the circumstances, mm. uh, be curious about it. And yeah. uh, one thing that's empowering is, she didn't make me feel a certain way, like not to give her the power over my thoughts and emotions, but what her actions brought up in me were my my own personal insecurities, my own mm. vulnerabilities, my need to people please and be validated. So in order to be stable and sustainable and someone that has a growth mindset, I needed to detach myself from the identity of my achievements so that mm. my self-worth wasn't all tied into that. And I'm sorry, yeah. I'm just going to go off just one more thing tied to that. Of course, we, I can tell, you know, uh, it's just the way my brain works. You always have something that ties into that. But there's <laughs> Kristen Neff's Fear Self-Compassion book mm, talks mm. about the difference between self-esteem uh, and self-confidence or something of that nature. And, mm. and she talks about like self-esteem being tied into our achievements. Where like mm. if we have our self-worth tied into our, you know, just self-compassion, versus our self-worth tied into self-esteem. The self-esteem mm. is very fragile. It's associated with your external accomplishments. But yeah. if you can ground your you know, self self-worth and just your presence and and not because you get everything right, but just being human and you're doing your best, like it's much more sustainable and stable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense. Um you know when you when you have uh you know so you say you're introducing someone who's a a colleague who's a, achieved a lot you know maybe published a lot and i don't know won the nobel prize or whatever you we tend to say our esteemed my esteemed colleague such and such don't we you know and 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 we're using that adjective there uh about their achievements but achievements can can kind of come and go can't they and uh you know people's you know you can be there the head of your profession one moment and then you just lose it all the next day 
and so I guess esteem, yeah, that makes sense. Is tied in with your your achievements and your position and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, um, yeah, self confidence and self compassion and stuff are, are kind of more uh, more realistically um, in in alignment. Um, yeah, and I just obviously I could we, we could delve into this so so much, but um, yeah. it, it, I'll it, say just, one thing. One thing related yeah. to that, though, I'm reading a book called Happier because, mm. you know, it's it's hard because you still want to achieve, right? Like you still want to mm. strive for what you want to do. Mm. So what do we do, right? We Do we just stop achieving? Well, the question to ask ourselves. So in the book Happier is uh, by Tall, I, I forget his last name, but just look up the book Happier um, mm. and reach out to me if you need support determining which book I'm talking about. But And, and I can give you the link, too, if you want to include it in the mm. show notes. Mm. But the book talks about, you know, the arrival fallacy, which is like when we reach a certain mm. goal or accomplishment, then we'll be happy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and there were different models of achievement there and, and how we can have achievement where we delay our gratification until we reach a certain point. And that's mm. where the arrival fallacy comes from. We delay, delay, mm. delay, 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 thinking that we mm. will be happy when. Mm. But so if I am depending on my the outcome to be happy and not enjoying the process, that's the rat race. You're doing it, you know, probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. If you enjoy the process. So I know our good friend, uh, Dr. Amy Virtues was talking about this mm. in one of her posts. She's a surgeon and she loves surgery. And so she probably works a lot. And if she loves it, that's great. We're not going to judge her for working a lot because she likes the process and the outcome. Mm. So for me during surgery, I wasn't enjoying the process, but I was doing it for the outcome. So I was miserable mm. thinking I will be happy when that's the rat race. Mm. So the mm. question to ask yourself during the achievements is how can I be happy in the process of accomplishing this grounded mm. on my why my mm. core mission is true to who I am and my core values and what I truly want to accomplish. Then you can be happy during the process. You don't have to be happy all the time, but it feels fulfilling and meaningful for you. And when you get the outcome. Therefore, you're not constantly in this pattern of like, I'm worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm worthy, I'm not worthy. Yeah. So it really, really created something in my mind to embrace and appreciate better. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, just I'm just going to um, jump on to something else that you you mentioned, I think, a couple of times in, in terms of success and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, people perceiving you know perceiving certain things as being successful like you know f you know money and uh position and and these sorts of things and and uh and you you know kind of comparing yourself unfavorably uh because maybe you didn't kind of fit into their definition of su success and and so on and uh i think that's really really important i haven't really spoken about success on the show before but uh you know certainly for the listeners my my opinion of it is, you know, it as you said, it's whatever, whatever is your own personal concept of success. It doesn't have to be, you know, six figures or being a CEO or winning a Nobel Prize or, you know, what, what having, you know, being happily married, you know, uh, with ch children and everyone's perfect and you know the white picket fence and roses in the garden. You know, it's it's what yeah. what whatever you know, and really, you can only um compare compare your yourself to yourself um at different times uh, and have your own yardstick rather than it's it's just it's a nonsense to compare yourself to other people's concept of success isn't it so 
Yeah. Well, it's very easier. It's easier said than done. So I would, I would advise the listeners to be intentional. Like after this podcast, stop, write to yourself, what would success look like to you? And Mm. then as you are navigating those answers, check in and say, why do I think this? Like, where's that coming from? And Mm. how does it feel in your body? Because I can, you know, back in the day, I would have given you the answer. What does success look like for me? Well, it looks like becoming oral oral max official surgeon. My gut would give me the, oh God, is it the right fit? Well, then I was like, okay, Mm. my brain would justify, well, that's just your self-doubt talking. You can do this. We played this exhausting game. And to your point, so I bought a house in 2019. And on paper, I looked to be very successful. I was very miserable. Um, so I got my first attending job, my first faculty position at a very uh, number one dental school, right? So it's like, this should have been the epitome of success from the way that yeah. I had defined it for my whole working life. Yeah, yeah. So why did I feel so empty? It was the wrong position for me. It didn't fit mm. the needs of what I found to be fulfilling from what I could offer the world. And uh, I didn't have the mentorship I was seeking. I didn't have the connections I was seeking. So as you're tuning in, then they can start to identify like what truly matters to them. Mm, mm. And, and so when I realized that job wasn't the right fit for me, I ended up selling everything. Um, and then I learned sustainability with our material goods in life is very important for me. And I only found that because, you know, at the time I was very ill, like my, mm. just talked to my mom to check in. I'm like, did you think I was going to die? She's like, oh yes. Like I was very, very ill very malnourished. It's just very ill. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I, I was sitting in that state of, I'm not sure I'm going to survive. Like I had some ability to have awareness with that, but I had some disconnect for myself where I didn't believe mm-hmm. it to be true, but some awareness. So when I sold everything, the mindset could be morbid, but we're all going to, you know, die someday. Mm-hmm. So the mindset was, if I die, I don't want people to have to clean up this burden of house and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it really grounded me in my appreciation for having less living Mm, a sustainable mm. life. And how I define that is like having in your life things that you use that bring meaning and purpose and trying to reduce the waste. And of course, you know, we have a lot of things in our, in our world today where we could, we could take that too far. Like I still keep Mm. a computer. I have a microphone, Mm. like those things bring me joy and have meaning and purpose. So, uh, but just finding that balance that fits what's what's good for your quality of Mm. life right Mm. now while reducing the waste. And then what I found is if you live that way, it drastically can reduce your financial needs. And that's unless of course you love to travel or things like that. Um, but just getting to know like what truly matters about yourself and mm. giving yourself permission to say, you'd never have to own a house if you don't want to. I don't have any mm. kids. I'm not married. I've realized like I'm I'm very whole by myself. Like mm-hmm. I feel pressure, but I'm allowing myself to feel whole and enough mm-hmm. as I am, mm. which um, could create a spot where if I have a relationship in the future, I'm much better off than I was mm. when I was having zero self-worth um because that probably could have set me up for being in an abusive relationship as as it has at work (laughs) at times so yeah yeah oh gosh (laughs) 
we definitely definitely need a part two or three but uh, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get through um and we'll uh we'll we'll dig a bit more deeply in in uh in another episode i think um but just um i'm gonna go on now to talk about your your current personal leadership style um i mean has it has it evolved you know was it was it different um before and you know what does it what's it look like now in comparison yeah well uh so i'm introverted which uh many people if if you're introverted and that can sometimes society challenges us to be more extroverted as a leader but the introverted part of me allows me to really sit back and be a leader who in, in really likes to hear other people's ideas and thoughts mm. and and leverage their strengths and see how each individual best learns and what they need. Mm. Um, and so, you know, before we became coaches in the sense of like helping people to seek the answers within, I was, you know, I do a lot of sports. So I, I had kind mm. of that sport coaching mentality where you're mm. a mentor and you give each athlete what they need but really want people to be able to grow so that if I'm no longer in their life, they keep the skills that they need to do what I was helping them to accomplish and maybe even better than I could. So that's my mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, 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 and just really, I think it's like probably a little bit more the democratic, you know, just, uh, mm -hmm. not, not saying I'm a, of a, political sense in the u.s don't try to box me into one of those please don't but as a leadership style somebody that really appreciates hearing everybody's perspective because mm -hmm. as a perfectionist it could be something where i want control but i'm not an autocratic leader i can't stand to be mm -hmm. micromanaged so i don't want to lead anybody how i wouldn't want to be led yeah but i and you, you understand some people are a little have value a little bit more autonomy some people need a little bit more support and just the different mm. stages of their life so trying to gauge that yeah brilliant um and you know you are um you are you are living it you are it sounds like you know you are very very authentic in in your leadership style you know you're a big you're a big believer in um in coaching and developing people uh, and you're you're a big believer in kind of um hearing other people's opinions on on things and and uh you know kind of garnering um different ideas from from your team so it's it's very natural that you would have a sort of coaching and democratic style so thank you thank you for that um so i mean you know I, where where i where i see you now um is you know very very much self-leadership um and you know as 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 we've said you kind of leading with integrity you're leading authentically um you know not uh not so much of the kind of formal leadership you know title titled roles you're just um, trying not to trigger is... my brain now <laughs> <laughs> which Thank is you a... so much <laughs> this is an example of a great leader knowing exactly what his guest is <laughs> we'll... no just but, for but... another it's <laughs> which is uh not not to say in any way and in fact far from it that you don't have leadership roles and responsibilities um there may be just not the kind of you know traditional you know medical director or cmo thing at work or or, or whatever uh people you know med medics particularly do um but you're you know you're doing a lot of stuff you know with your 
um with your coaching and your your youtube channel and um you know you as you say you are trying your mission is to help people discover or rediscover what it what it means to create a life true to themselves free from societal pressures that lead them astray and and you know this is quite quite unique among among coaches and so i think there's there's more thought leadership and and, and influence and you know um showing people that there is a a way that is more uh, compassionate to themselves there's another there's another route um and i think i think that is um very much a kind of uh, a, an important leadership role in your life right now um so let's talk about that you know because uh you know, yeah i have people who come on who are ceos and whatever like, oh yeah how did you get from you know where you started to becoming a ceo i, I want to know um how you got from you know your uh your, your previous incarnation if you like uh to being this person that is has a mission um and you're you're not using the word to lead but i will because it's a leadership podcast but to <laughs> to help to help support people in sort of a servant leadership type way to yeah. discover what it means to create a life true to themselves what what gave you that epiphany that 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 was your mission yeah well i do want to imbibe the the presence of a leader so i just don't want to get for my own personal well-being stuck in the title of it but i appreciate your uh, compassion in helping me to figure out exactly that. But, um, so I found looking back on like, I've, I've always actually wanted to embody the leadership style, but what I found is that I was very, uh, aversive to being in in an actual leadership spotlight because I was afraid Mm -hmm. of judgment. I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of not being competent. And this goes back to how I used to define leadership. Yeah, and so just to give some uh, of of how I learned to embrace where I'm at today is it actually comes from failures and attempting leadership roles in the past. So uh, when I was in high school, I was as good at cross country for the for the high school. Like I was, you know, I I often would finish number one for the high school. But once I started finishing number one, the pressure to me went from doing great to then self-sabotaging so i learned in college to stay number two so i learned that i would stunt my performance to not be number one because i was afraid of the pressure associated with leadership so i really Mm -hmm. had to dive deep into why because i would sell i would self-sabotage bad and i think that's Mm -hmm. actually what happened to me when i was in the air force and oral surgery because I hadn't yet worked on embracing that I am a leader, just like what you said, is accepting and acknowledging, thank you. Like, yes, I am a leader and leaders aren't perfect. Leaders aren't always confident. Leaders, what makes a strong leader is them being vulnerable, is apologizing for mistakes, is having a growth mindset. I didn't, I had a fixed mindset. I had my whole self-worth and not being judged. I was a people pleaser. Um, so, I so I struggled, you know, when I was selected for captain of the cross country team, I quit. Um, I when I went for president in my dental school, I completely self sabotaged. I got so afraid. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But then I still went out for it. And I was like, man, had I never told people I didn't want to do it, I probably could have, you know, actually excelled in it. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into my oral surgery program, the whole time we hear imposter syndrome and whatnot, but self-doubt's normal unless you turn it into self-sabotage like I did. So the whole time I didn't think 
that I belonged to be there. So when I was in oral surgery and I developed such profound suicidality during forced sleeplessness and no one was talking about it. Uh, and I realized, you know, my, I, my experiences with my severe illness and sitting on what could have been my deathbed was my, my turning point. Um, because when your why overcomes your fear, you can shout it from the rooftops, like, Hey, we're leading all these people astray. And how can we reach them sooner? So mm -hmm. one thing, you know, uh, of more, more of like a formal leadership role is like, I like to be a mentor. I, I was helping mm -hmm. to teach the dental students, like reach them sooner mm -hmm. so that we can help these leaders mm -hmm. to grow in a way that's self-compassionate, sustainable. Um, so I, I think that my presence and my advocacy and my ability to lean in, despite people not going to like what I say, not going to like me or what the perception that they have of me, knowing I'm going to fail uh, is because my why is so strong in my heart um, yeah. that it helps me to overcome any judgment and not every day, right? Sometimes we like take a day to be like, oh God, I just need to recollect, but for the most part, like just keep showing up because you know that your message is important and that it can save lives and starting with your own. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I understand more, more clearly now. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want to say that, you know, um, we talked about your mission and it, it's really leaders that have missions, isn't it? Followers don't tend to have missions, right? Uh, you're the creator of this mission, so you are you are wanting to lead people. You want people to follow your message and um, get on board with your mission, so that ultimately they are happier people with less mental illness and so on, um, because yeah. they're not being you know beaten beaten down by comparisonitis and societal pressures and and so on yeah um so to me you're a you're a you're a true you're a true leader uh not a not a kind of a, a titular leader you know you don't have have to have um you know the, the ceo tag or whatever um and i love what you're doing with dental students and i think that's a such an important uh leadership role to get to them while they're students because i don't know about in the in the states but in the uk as a profession dentistry certainly about 15 years ago i haven't checked recently but it used to have the highest suicide rates among all of the professions um and i think uh you know i think a lot of that is you know kind of pressures from patients and and putting pressure on yourself with procedures but also kind of the working in silos and and all of all of this kind of thing um yeah but I, um yeah I, I and i think too now like it's suicide suicide risks are so high amongst so many so mm -hmm. what i had so why like suicide risk and suicide awareness when i reflect back on how i set myself up to um be an advocate for suicide prevention was that mm -hmm. anorexia nervosa which i had you know that's what almost uh, took my life is the mental disorder associated with the number one suicide risk of all mental health conditions mm -hmm. uh i was in the military higher risk for suicide Coming yeah. out of dentistry, high risk for suicide, surgical yeah. training, yeah. sleep deprived, low self-worth, not eating, uh, high risk for suicide. We all know that physicians are high risk for suicide, especially as our system contributes to moral injury. We're not able to meet our, our basic needs. 
Um, so, you know, just putting myself in all these roles that all had high risk for suicide yeah. and not, not thinking to myself that that was going to affect me, uh, was, yeah. you know, we do that to ourselves a lot. We don't think we're going to die. We don't think we're going to get sick. We don't think we're going to be the one. So like my, yeah. my, my nickname growing up was silly Jilly. And I had no idea how people could be depressed because I found such great joy in life. I was so grateful mm. for life. Mm. So the gift that depression has given me and for dealing with what, what I have is to be more curious about people's lives, to understand, mm. to hold space, never judge. Mm. You know, we judge as yeah. humans, but like I can have an internal judgment and then be curious about my own thoughts about that. And then also be open to hear the reality of that person's life or perspective. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes, as you said, you had multiple, I think you listed about five different risk factors, independent risk factors, where even one of those can um, lead to uh, suicidal ideation and it, and plus or minus intent. And you had five of them. And I thank I thank God and the universe that, you know, they didn't align and kind of, you know, take take you from us, <laughs> essentially. Thank, thank God you're here. Um, but uh, you know, with certainly with physicians, uh, you know, and and they're very, very, very bad at um admitting that the um the burnout and the moral injury and, and all of the other kind of um affronteries that kind of affect affect them in their work environment um will certainly be affected by um depression and anxiety and uh and bullying and all of these things but we're such uh perfectionists we're not allowed to we don't allow ourselves to say that we have any weaknesses we can't have an achilles heel it's drummed into us at medical school that we have to be perfect because you know if we're not perfect then there are going to be adverse patient outcomes so it's so it's the pendulum has swung so far the other way now um that actually there are adverse patient outcomes <laughs> that are yeah. rising from us not um you know admitting to ourselves that we have that we have troubles um but um you know you know there, there must have been you know some some mental resilience there and thank and, and thank god there was um so yes with the with the with the dental students so so important to to help them early at that stage before they become fully fledged dentists and then their their risk of suicide and so on increases um quite quite considerably i would have thought um there's one more thing before i move on to the next question is it's, it's quite it's quite interesting um sort of paradoxes that's um um kind of um occurred to me is that you said you you self-sabotage you didn't want to be a leader you didn't want to be number one you didn't want to be the the captain of the cross-country team you didn't want to be the president of your dental class all of these things because uh and i i remembered a couple of things one you said you you didn't want to be judged and two uh and and this ties into being judged i think being perceived as not being competent and i think there was something else but i but i i can't recall but it's interesting how you say that as a leader you would feel in in the spotlight and vulnerable to being judged and perceived as not being competent yet almost anyone can can um can be in that position and you were certainly yeah. in that position when you were a resident and your attending was judging you and your attending was 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 not even just perceiving you as not being competent but outwardly telling you that you were useless and throwing you out of the training room 
Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me how y- you have experience of those things, but you felt that you couldn't be a leader because those things might happen to you. Yeah. Well, but they I had think- happened to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so um, for people who share, I've just listened to podcasts and, and people that come to me have this childhood court wound um, that, mm. that, you know, can spiral them. So for me mm. growing up, and feeling like nothing I did was enough mm. and being told I was worthless, lazy, no matter what I did, um, not knowing I was, if I was physically or emotionally safe. So mm. I had that at my core. I hadn't mm. ever addressed it because in therapy, I don't like to blame people. So if mm. anyone were to suggest that anybody in my family, you know, back things have changed with eating disorder training and uh, I mean, therapy and whatnot, but just like, I would protect my family and like, I don't want, I, it's me, right? Like what can mm, I fix? Mm. Especially when members of the family don't want to come to family therapy. So mm. I hadn't healed. And I, we, you talked about the journey of, of life, right? So it's like, I, but I hadn't yet sit with the impact on that because mm. I compared my childhood with people who are in a lot worse you know, you talked about don't compare, but I did like, it wasn't as yeah. bad, right? All I medics should, do. <laughs> I sh- yeah, I should yeah. quote unquote, yeah. be grateful, right? How dare I say yeah. anything negative about my circumstances because I had a roof over my head, food, I got my okay. undergrad supported, like all these reasons why I shouldn't have felt the way I did, but yet I did. And yeah. as a leader now, it's important now that I know I'm introverted, highly sensitive person, our society shapes us to be different. And when yeah. we are told that being introvert is less than, that being highly yeah. sensitive is less than, and we change ourselves yeah. to fit the mold of what society wants us to be, we lose ourselves. And the in- yeah. internal dialogue is who we are isn't enough. So I had yeah. all of that going on that I hadn't yet really allowed myself to accept and acknowledge. Yeah. And Processed. so the- Exactly. So Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I started to change the narrative on the things that really are true to me, like what I need, like, including neurodivergence, right? It's just like, Mm -hmm. I was anything that you, you know, you've, if you're feeling misunderstood, and like, I just don't fit into this world. Well, Mm -hmm. could be that the world's not crafted in a way that really helps you to leverage your strengths naturally. So it's important to step back and say, well, the world you know, in the people in our lives, the people in our lives, first of all, are humans with flaws. Mm. So when I held, you know, a parental figure, a mentor on this pedestal and mm. needed to be who they wanted me to be, well, appreciate that they had trauma in their lives and they have flaws too. So why should their opinion of your life matter more than your own self? Mm. Mm. Um, and there's, yeah. you know, a nurse and an author, Bonnie Ware, who has a book, it's like the five regrets of dying or something of that nature. And one of the top five most common regrets is living your life for others and not a life true to yourself, which yeah, sounds like a core part of my mission to help people avoid that regret. <laughs> but it's just like constantly kind of just like, okay, so when then I didn't work on that and get into a situation where I'm with this mentor who embodies mm. the same figure that I had, who I held to this high standard, who yeah. I wanted to please so bad. Well, I wanted to please her the most, you know, the bully, the workplace bully the most. And I didn't listen to anybody else. Every single other attending was so supportive. They're like, you just have low self-confidence. You're doing great. They were telling me all these great things. And I just didn't believe a word they said. And I grasped onto everything she said. Yeah. Gosh, well, 
yeah i'm sure i'm sure you're not not alone in that but uh but thank you for for sharing it because you know there'll be people out there who'll be like yep that's what i do um but they'll be thinking they're the they're the only ones so um I'm questioning if it's her. I'm questioning like is her name? I keep I keep forgetting if her name's Bonnie or Bronnie. B R O or just B O. Yeah, people will know. It's I, one of those yeah. true sorts. <laughs> yeah, so, but they'll know who we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, she's she's put out some great work, and it's yeah important for us to really uh, yeah bring it inward and and to accept it as truth. Rather, you know, there's a lot of people yeah. that think it's so cliche to talk about deathbed regrets because it won't happen to them, right? It won't yeah, happen yeah. to them. I'm going to look it up while we're... <laughs> I messed up her name. It is Bronnie Ware, but it's a unique okay. name. So uh, to me, okay. to me, Bronnie Ware. Yeah. But people okay. will know. Sorry, Wonderful. sorry, Bronnie. Um, sorry about that. But <laughs> Thank yes, you. yes. Yeah. So, and, and I think just, just like Bronnie, it's the people that like, uh, and we have many people that work in hospice and palliative care that yeah. have really grounding messages and supporting yourself yeah. with that's, and just appreciating the fragility of life and yeah. and knowing you're not an exclusion, right? You're yeah. not, I'm yeah. sorry, but you're, you're not. So, so one of the, um, the prime themes that keeps coming through as I interview people on this show is the importance of mentorship. Were there any people senior to you um, that, that have, have kind of helped you along the way? Yeah, I think there's so many to count. So I told you a little yeah. bit about my backstory and every step of the way I've had a, a male figure in my life that kind of became, you know, that male figure I needed that was very supportive, that believed in me mm. before I believed in me. So mm. I think every step of my journey, I've had somebody that grounded me, so many people that stepped in and gave me exactly what I needed to keep my hope alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I were to yeah. name them, it would, we would be here for years. So uh, <laughs> I do appreciate everything. You just never know because I didn't, you know, and I'm still working on self-confidence, self, self-worth, but when somebody just repetitively tells you that they see something in you that you don't and, yeah. and trusting that and being like, yeah. oh, I hope one day I see it. I can't right now, but yeah. I'm going, I'm going to keep going with the chance that one day I will think yeah. my life is worth living. Yeah. I will think I have value and worth in this world. Um, so yeah, over and over, I've had people enter my life that offered me that. Okay, okay, that's yeah, that's it's good to know, and that's a good uh, a good example. If there is anyone that is prominent, feel free to name drop. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I would feel too exclusive then, right? There's just so many great people for different reasons. It's just, I mean, even some, even doing like, let's just talk about here being invited to your podcast and you telling me that my story is worth hearing right? Like, oh gosh, my first instinct is like, who the heck would want to listen to me, right? So giving people the opportunity to share their story and telling them it's worth hearing, it, like the, these moments are, they're the most fulfilling, meaningful experiences I have and to not minimize the impact that they have on someone's life. Yeah. Well, thank thank you for that. Um I mean, <laughs> taking taking any credit. We're going to name drop Dr. Adam Harrison. <laughs> Dr. Adam Harrison, come to the stage. You are the name dropped person. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel I feel I feel on the spotlight now. Um, the, uh, well, I mean, I I I certainly feel that what you what you are doing um, is very you know 
deserving uh, of bringing to um you know people's attention and consciousness and for um awareness of of your mission um to be more widely known and because i think it is such an important and valuable thing that you're doing um and it's 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 nice to know that um you know now you are in a better place uh, psychologically that you are um you know very in- intentionally appreciative of these these things i'm i'm getting the impression that you know when you were kind of under the spell of the bully um and th- their their comments were just uh, it it doesn't matter how the other 9 out of 10 people who were working with you at the time were you know give giving you cred- credit and trying to build you up and build up your confidence and tell you that you were um good uh you were listening to that one person um but now it sounds like retrospectively having reflected your you are very um appreciative of what they did for you and said to you even though maybe you weren't really acting on it at the time because you know the 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 negative that negative input was outweighing everything else you're spot on it i i'm i'm grateful for the exposure of my own internal insecurities because right she couldn't make me feel a certain way she exposed within me my vulnerabilities and i i i feel grateful for the opportunity to feel empowered now whereas mm-hmm. before you know you have this learned helplessness yeah. where my my worth was dependent on other people and mm-hmm. their perspective of me when we can learn to really take control and power and this is why i'm a huge advocate for coaching because the hope coach really helps you to stay in that driver's seat. Like that's the goal. Mm. You are the driver of your life. It's empowering. Mm. And when you feel empowered and you start to feel that control, then we reduce that learned helplessness. Mm. Uh, Mm. And, and just knowing that what, what I saw happening was this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm. Where I internally thought my life wasn't worth living. So I looked for validation that that was true justification that that's true yeah or you can do the same if you think well my life is worth living let me find reasons where that's true yeah uh and and have gratitude for that yeah i i I think you know um you know the whole internal versus external validation thing is a is a whole uh you know long long run debate um you know, bit of a can of worms uh, if you start a discussion on it. So I'm not going to delve too much, but I think when you're a trainee yeah. and you're learning, um, I think external validation is is important to to get you over that kind of initial confidence hurdle, so you can then do it on your own without worrying too much, um, because you know your 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 attendings who were uh, you know who were telling you you were good, um, you know they were. Um, they were empowering you, weren't they? I suppose to be able to to go and do it. But um, I mean, that's that's a yeah. discussion for another day. But um, yeah, I'll say briefly on validation. I won't open a can of worms, but I don't demonize <laughs> it as a bad. It's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. At all, because we all have blind spots. We all do need, yeah. like, even if you're feeling like crap, like a circumstance happened, and you want to share it with somebody because it made you feel awful. So I just had this happen, and someone validated my emotions 
and I felt mm. seen, I felt connected. Mm. Like it's important. Validation has value. Yeah. Right. So if we, you can internal validate, you can, it, and it's like, that's how we understand ourselves is like understanding our, our world and, and our place in the world and our like getting that feedback is something that helps us understand ourselves. Like if you go sit by yourself, you're not going to learn as much about yourself as like when you're engaging with other people. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so you're exactly right. Like, and that goes with having a mindset that allows for the gray validation and seeking it it's not black and white it's just understanding the impact on your life and whose validation are you seeking and how is it contributing to you and just being mindful of yeah of that role in your life yeah so as a um as a as a leader um in in whatever um capacity and, and formality that has meaning for you um do you do you look back on um the um you know the good feedback and so on and and um kind of you know attempted confidence bolstering feedback um from from those days um and and feel that that is helping you now yeah yes you're yes because um like i'll have the same self doubt now and i remember back then when I didn't listen to it and I have grief actually about how much self-criticism I had back then and Mm. what, what reflecting on it and appreciating it now, it opened up my heart to understand Mm. the importance of having both tender and fierce Mm. self-compassion, which, you know, if you're not quite sure how you fare on that scale, I highly Mm. recommend checking out Dr. Kristen Neff's website. There's A little bit of a tool and of course we don't want you to over obsess about it but just getting some insight about what measures and questions might be asked to determine your self-compassion um and i'm very grateful for those mentors and i stay connected with many of them um and i you were saying like the ones that have really shaped their life i try to emulate a lot of their role that they mm-hmm. had in my life mm-hmm. to people that are students to people actually anybody because as i was saying about the childhood wounds we all need that mentor um yeah. so i just i gathered what did i love about them their psychological safety non-judgmental their ability to support mm-hmm. to give feedback that's needed not always toxic positivity but say here are the things i think you know we can work on here's how mm-hmm. i'm going to help you do that or what ways would you like to work on that so yeah. uh really helped me to have hope and to yeah. see who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's lovely. It's really, really nice to hear. Um, the, the, the next question I think was about stuff that we, we talked about quite, quite early on, um, which was about, you know, um, your ex- experience of, of, of bullying, discrimination, harassment, other challenges. And I, I didn't know if there's anything you want to add about that or, um, whether we've we've spoken about that um, enough, but but if if that's the case, I guess um, I'm interested from a listener's point of view on how um, how you 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 coped with with a move moved past that, and I'm and I'm I'm guessing at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't you didn't cope with that bullying particularly well and you didn't move past it in a in a in a constructive way it was quite maladaptive some of the um behaviors that you um that you developed 
um but 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 now you've been on your your journey and uh maybe maybe you can see through the retrospectoscope um ways that you would like to have coped with and moved past that better I, 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 is is this fair i mean i don't want to put words yeah, into you your slam, mouth and... totally slam dunked it yeah i uh both with falling into you know the eating disorder was maladaptive way to cope to avoid the situation and to reduce kind of numb myself out from the harm where how mm. i'd like to show up and how i've worked on because that similar circumstance happen after training and you know as as we move on to to more um of the faculty roles and and you know face similar uh interactions with people not only at work but you know in it's in my personal life and, you know, in uh, an experience with, with a physician I had now who was very similar in that personality that I struggle with the most in how I want to show up. It's like, okay, I can't control how this person is going to show up. I can predict how do I want to show up? And there's the emotional intelligence, there's the responsiveness. So I love there's dialectical behavioral therapy, there's mindfulness. So you can hear what they say take a step back, breathe, pause and respond. Because what a person who really drives often is somebody mm. who reacts. They, they're like, mm. you know, they have this type of communication style where they want the person to react. Yeah. And I've yeah. worked really hard to take a step back, to put emotional and physical boundaries to keep myself safe and ask myself, how do I want to show up in this environment? Because I wish that person was giving me a compassionate, psychologically safe space. They are not. How can I trust myself to give that self to myself right now and remove myself from their control, from their authority, you know, any, anything like that. So had I shown up as an advocate for myself and understood what I needed, I wouldn't have turned inward. I would have had the voice to ask myself what I or ask for what I needed, but mm. my eating disorder was so physically apparently uh, taking control of my life that that became my way of asking for help at the cost of almost losing my life so it's important that you like you were saying earlier it's important that people feel that they can ask for help like it's so nuts to me that we tell people in healthcare that they can't ask for things that humans need and then you're going to put up people in a position where they're so unwell and can't get help and then ask them to take care of other people. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes yeah. zero sense. And so yeah. one thing that helped me the most was sharing. So I, I left oral surgery in 2017. I was so full of guilt and shame. I didn't talk about it until 2022 when I wrote you know, an article on Kevin MD and realized mm. how many people could resonate with my story. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. She talks about, you know, the trying to, to having vulnerability helps with the, the guilt and the shame. And that was, yeah. you know, it was hard, but uh, I heard Adam Grant talk about like, it's so important for leaders to be vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah. that's another live it to give it like being vulnerable, yeah. releasing the guilt and shame, knowing you're not alone, not giving this facade that we're perfect because it puts this fake pressure on other people just be real create safe space yeah, yeah. advocate for others so yeah long-winded answer yeah. but yeah but part for the course <laughs> part for the course for me today i guess no i uh no i very much um very much appreciate that and um i think the you know the advice around um just 
asking for help, simply asking for help before before it's potentially too late. Um, number one, and the self advocacy um, piece as well. Um, you know, and uh, again, again, it's all you know on a background of self compassion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, okay, so you, I mean, you've given some just tremendous advice. <laughs> um, I mean, the uh, uh, the transcript of this interview is going to be like a, a, just a, a wonderful resource for people, I, I think. But um, do, do you have uh, any other advice for the listeners on how to become strong and, and kind leaders? I mean, you're um you know your your mission is definitely um uh, one of kindness um and um you know you have have this strength now um that that formerly you you didn't um and so you know i think you're you know the way you now um frame how you could have dealt with your challenges um those years ago and how uh, people listening could um is is really wonderful but um yeah do you have any other advice for them on on how to become stronger and and be kind leaders yeah i think that most one of the most challenging things and important is to know what would it look like to be authentic to you like what would living in your integrity look like and martha beck has a book called the way of integrity that might be a good resource and she's got several books mm. similar but most profoundly i went to a talk by Brene brown and this was mind-blowing to me even though i'd read it it wasn't until she spoke it so i will speak it and hopefully mm. i won't have the same impact as Brene brown maybe but um i hope that people really take this in. So growing up, I thought what it meant to be mentally tough was to break ourselves down and build ourselves up. But Brene Brown in her research has found the people, the leaders who are the most mentally tough have at their core self-compassion. And often I thought self-compassion's weak, fluffy, um, but that has been my turning point, both in my ability to nourish myself properly uh, not only physically, but spiritually and psychologically. And when you are grounded in self-compassion, you can consistently show up for yourself hmm. and for hmm. others. And in the same conversation, she said, the people who were able to sustainably give compassion to others are the people that maintained strong boundaries. So for the people pleasers hmm. listening here, for the people who are afraid of judgment, for the people who think that putting boundaries up is going to make them feel selfish. We're not a team leader. It's so essential to learn what are your core values. And if something doesn't align, put that boundary up. If you don't feel safe, mm. emotionally, physically boundary, give mm. yourself permission to put that boundary. Don't make it strong boundary, right? If it's, mm. if it's a loose boundary and it comes down every so often, we have that like variable reward. We're going to train mm. people that they can't trust our boundary because we're flexible and yeah so mm. so you know it's just something to work on yeah but knowing that you are worth it like you are worth leading the life that you truly want to live um it, it's a journey and i think having these conversations and having the community to lean on as you explore what that truly means uh find find the community that when you're true to yourself you feel like you belong mm. this 
at, at a risk of sounding like I stalk Brene Brown, she talks about the opposite mm. of belonging as fitting in. And often when we mold ourselves to fit in, we feel so very alone. And we all know that loneliness can lead to depression and anxiety mm. and, you know, buffering with things that are maladaptive. So be yeah. yourself. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, I I appreciate all the um, the the Brené Brownisms. Please, you know, <laughs> keep them keep them coming. Um, <laughs> I have a I have a cup here. It says, "What would Brené Brown do?" And somebody gifted <laughs> somebody gifted that to me when I moved from my last state because I was just taking everything she said in because yeah. it resonated. Yeah, so I moved yeah. to Houston, which is uh, I was hoping to run into her, and I finally got to see her in person. So grateful oh. for that. <laughs> that's lovely um but yeah no that's 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 really that's really interesting i love that um that piece about um being you know being quite strongly boundaried um in order to um enable you to be kinder uh i really i really i find that very interesting and it's um i think it's uh uh yeah it's an analogous to the like you unless you are unless you're boundaried and you are uh, respecting yourself and looking after yourself in that way. Um, you can't you can't be kind because at some point, you know, you you give, 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 give. And then you're just going to flip and become unkind. Right. It's it's just it's just human nature. It's going to it's going to happen. And for some people, it happens sooner than than with others. Right. Um, but it, it's it's analogous to the whole kind of, you know, doctor, dentist, caring professional uh, of um you know not not being able to care for your patients unless you are paying enough attention to your self-care which is something you you talked about earlier as well um so part part of part of self-care is is having boundaries um but not only does it enable you to care for your patients better it also enables you to be a kinder leader so uh and yeah your strength comes from yeah and and you know knowing that you are you're worth it um and you know that's uh something i i, I guess it's taken you a while to realize and and thank um you know thank goodness you are you are there but there's there's certainly i feel that there's a strength within you that uh, that must come from that work that you've done uh, in realizing your your self-worth and how um how worth kind of you know, doing all this stuff and coming on these shows and, and you know, that you really, really are, that you truly are. So thank you. Um, do you have any any take-home um, leadership messages for the listeners, please? Yeah, I think start with one. Like, what does it mean to live a life true to you? What do you really want? Take a step back. Mm. Like, take in the messages that you're getting and see which ones really feel true to you. And, and you know, that's mm. hard for people that, have been people pleasing for so long. They're afraid to let their family members down. This comes up a lot, mm. um, but just understand the cost to you. If, if you don't live in alignment with your true self, and that can be hard mm. to appreciate until you start to walk in your integrity and you realize what you've been missing, but yeah. it, you know, just, just know if you're struggling, like if you have dark thoughts, like I did, like mm. you're super burnout can be mm. really hard to say, well, what do I really want to do? Right. Like apathetic, mm. potentially the first mm. step for you <laughs> is to rest 
give yourself permission to rest because when we're in a rested, playful state, we have more creativity, we have more hope. So depending on where they're at, right? Like if they're experiencing deep, dark depression right now, please make that your number one priority. And as you know, as you as you start to heal and you start to see a little bit more clearly, then ask yourself, what do I really truly want in life? And and what's the time mm. to let go of? Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you. Um it's, yeah, again, I I I think your um your take on things is um is refreshing and 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 unique. And um, you know, these are leadership messages that um the listeners haven't heard before so i'm really grateful to you um what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with the listeners i think spreading this mission right just spreading Mm. the mission and give people Mm. a shake up and so how i'm doing that currently i have my youtube channel please check out dr hair adam harrison's interview it's there um but again so my my youtube channel it's currently called a life true to you who knows if that mm-hmm. still evolves as, as we come over time but if you check out my name then that's a free community you see people who are also exploring exploring questions that might come up for you mm-hmm. uh and and i i try to do the same mission both on how i live in my day-to-day life and also how i present myself on social media so if you know if you just need somebody to connect with I am on social media more than maybe I would love to be, but I I hope that it provides value for the people that sometimes see the messages that are too highly polished, which mine are not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least they're authentic. Yeah. Um, So um, no. And I, you know, I think the things that, that, that you've been through that made you who you are, are so are so worth sharing and there's so many people who um you know have been in um, dark places of, of various types um that you know to to see someone uh like yourself who has has been through uh tough times and come out the other end and is now uh you know a, a great a great role model um a great advocate for um you know kind of men- mental uh mental wealth um and and so on is it's just it's just wonderful um i think it's a lot a lot of good uh can come from it so i appreciate you um um if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you what's the best way for them to do so uh they can find me on linkedin that's a good way to connect with me if you don't have linkedin uh my email is my name jillian dot rigert at gmail.com i'll reach out let us know how you're doing what questions you have and how we can best support you brilliant and um your youtube channel and and uh and linkedin address um, put in the show notes and and your website as well you have a website so all of those will go in brilliant and um yeah well finally i i yeah i can't believe we've uh, uh <laughs> come to the end do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners please yeah well I just want to say I'm so grateful to be here because you know I think oftentimes when we chase success we chase these achievements that take us further and further away from what matters so Mm. when I was chasing success I pushed away a lot of the connections and communications and you know really relationships Mm. whether they just Mm. be friends not just be friends but whether they're friends relationships romantic relationship Mm. and and when I realized that success for me was meeting people who I authentically 
connected with like yourself, Mm. Mm. it led to a much more fulfilling life than any of the achievements, letters behind my name, awards, Mm. whatever, you know, those were, those were short lived dopamine hits. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So if you're finding that what you love the most is time with your dog, like I do, if you don't love dogs, insert whatever is true to you yeah. it, just not not comparing what success means to you to somebody else's success because it's mm. you know it's something i have to really consider daily because we will consistently hear the messages that we should make more we should be more we should do mm. more like learning to trust yourself that if that doesn't mm. that's not what you want mm. then what you do want is completely valuable it's your yeah. life own it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm so much happier and healthier from living in alignment with my true self. And I fully trust that others will be as well. Yeah. Hallelujah to that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love that. Love those closing words. Well, thank you. Thank you so much um, again for coming on the show and sharing. I mean, so so much wisdom and wonderful advice um with us Gillian uh just I think it's a it, this episode's a treasure trove um for sure um I, I, can't, I can't wait to you know get the response of of the listeners and and uh see how much they've learned from you um talking of which thank thank you to the listeners for for listening to the show um so until the next episode in two weeks All that remains is to wish you all health, happiness and inspiring leadership. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Mm-hmm.